Hello, and welcome to another episode of Arrow Chapter and Verse. This is Season 2, Episode 30, if I'm counting correctly. And we're you looking, are. Thank you, Patrick. And we're looking at <laughs> Season 6, Episode 1 of Arrow, entitled The Fallout. And when I say we, of course, I mean my co-host, Patrick Murphy Donahue. Hello. And special guest, Mike Kelly of the One Stop Co-op Shop. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. <laughs> good. Welcome, Mike. It'd be, it'd be weird if you weren't. You'd be like, I, I don't <laughs> I want to be on this podcast. Well, I mean, after. <laughs> I was going to say, that's the energy with which we usually approach reviewing these shows. So maybe it would have some sort of weird synergy and work out. I mean, I was not extremely excited to watch an episode of Arrow. And, and now that I watched be. one, I was still not extremely excited to watch more. <laughs> yeah. What? It, yeah, Mike, while we're at it, what? so what is your uh, experience with the Arrowverse? Well, I know that it's a verse <laughs> and that true. it started with Arrow. Um, I believe I have watched, I think I watched the first two episodes of Arrow mm-hmm. and thought they were heavily mediocre and didn't like the main actor. So I didn't continue with that. I have watched, I think, in passing, one episode of Supergirl, because my wife is pretty into that show. And the only one I've really kind of committed to, and not committed to at all, heavily, I think I've watched uh, half or a little bit more than half of the first season of Flash, and I, I quite enjoy that one, but that's it. So Arrow, I have barely any idea who any of these characters were as I was watching, and that was just stupendous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It- well... I was going to say, I'm actually kind of ashamed now that I can be like, here, let me spit out just the whole character arc of this person. Well, I mean, it'd be pretty sad if we couldn't uh, as much as we've watched at this point. I know. I realize that it's just Patrick. I'm really I only started watching these in earnest in December and it's now the middle of May and I know all these things and I've seen <laughs> all these episodes that I can't unsee. I will say this. um, and uh, Mike, I my experience, and I've said this before, is I watched these shows uh, during their first run, like when they were on, you know, when they actively aired. And since doing this podcast with Seth, I've now come back and I'm rewatching these. And I will say that I have been lucky enough that my brain sees this as just almost white noise for the most part because I have not retained any of these plots. Um, and I mean, I, they're, they're I so they meaningful. Me like, yeah, t- today's plot was bomb things and bomb more things and none of the bombs do anything and uh, success. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. No, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, you go like minute by minute. Like how do you usually structure this? Yeah, we're going to go through the whole episode. Oh, the well, whole then episode, I, I will. I, I'm sorry that I. Yeah, there, no, there, there, there might be bombs. There might not. No, that it's was, it's it's fine. We we assume that the people listening to this podcast have either watched the episode already or don't care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, like, well, yeah, we might as well get it out of the way now. You usually once we get going, I like to say. We like to say how we felt about the episode or what we thought of the episode as a whole. Uh, like, for example, with this episode, at, for the season uh, opener, <laughs> I did not much care for this episode. It was a lot of garbage. Uh, 
I have I, to agree with Patrick. I mean, <laughs> as as I've stated for the record many times, Arrow is my least favorite of all the Arrowverse shows. And the the only reason the only because I was like, I started watching Arrow and I didn't like it, and everybody's like, Oh, you should try the Flash. You should watch the Flash. And I'm like, No, I am a completist. If I am gonna watch <laughs> any show in the Arrowverse, I need to know what happened on every other show. <laughs> Yes, you say completist, I say glutton for punishment. Ugh, it, you know, it could be. Um, is I'm, is this is this whole podcast just an exercise in media masochism? I hate to tell you this, Seth. You're in hell. <laughs> <laughs> this is her punishment. No, I, mean, I mean, I'm happy to hear all you say this because when you first invited me on, I thought this would be you guys love festing for the show and me being the sole voice of uh, <laughs> oh, content. No, no. we, but yeah, I, th- this was, if, if this is supposed to be an exciting season opener, uh, yeah, it fails miserably. <laughs> it's, it's coming back. It's the second half of a cliffhanger. Yeah. Right. You know, it's the resolution of a cliffhanger. We should be getting, so we should, you know, we should be juiced. We should be, and, 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 and we'll, we'll get into how they resolve that cliffhanger. And yeah, yeah who, whoever wrote the script and like structured and plotted out and timed out this thing should, yeah, feel very sad for themselves. I I blame Speedweed, <laughs> co-executive producer of this show. Yeah, I I do too. Yeah, I I think he's you know probably had too much of that dink chronic. <laughs> yes. Wait, dink instead of dank? Is that like the 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 negative version of dink or dank? No, dank is it's how one uh, I guess describes one type of uh, of marijuana. I, I I don't know what it means because I'm not. Well, no, I, I know yeah. that. I thought you said dink. No, I said dank. Oh well, then we're talking about the same thing. Forget oh, it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, it's all right. Um. Younger viewer, uh, younger listeners, of which we don't have any. Again, I believe <laughs> I, I know the twelve people listening to the show. But hey, uh, Gen Z kids, if you're up on that hip lingo, why don't you clue us in as to what dank actually means? I mean, I, it, I know a little bit. Dank is like the high quality. If you get the dank chronic, then it's like really gonna you know give you that good high without any of the uh, really negative like after effects. The paranoia. Mm-hmm. Uh. All right. Not that I've done any of this before. I've just been in the sphere of it. I teach high school. That helps. <laughs> okay, there you go. It's, uh, I, I'm sure the kids are talking about dank nugs all the time. What do you teach, though? Let's, let's get this tangent out of the way. Patrick, can you, can you play the tangent music? Oh, sure. Okay. Um, let's see. Hold on. And Okay, Mike, what do you teach? So I, it, wow, this is, this is really calming. Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> I just teach, imagine if you had some of those dank nugs. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I could even stay awake. I uh, teach high school English. I'm the head of my department in Montgomery County, Maryland. And yeah, it's, it's been a very interesting ride. I mean, I'm extremely lucky compared to many in that I have a job. So thank God for that. Yeah, but uh, yeah. the job has been very complicated, not just because of the actual teaching part, but because as the head of the department, I've had to be uh, tech support and kind of life coach for uh, many of the other teachers in my department who are having some a rougher time with the transition than I am. Wow. Um, just for the record, I once uh, was in a PhD program 
for English uh, before I, I stopped ABD because I looked at the market for college professors of English and decided I didn't want to do that anymore. Well, then you, sir, have taken more English classes than I have. So well done. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> okay. So uh, audience, just to let you know, there may be the occasional tangent about anything Hemingway wrote, <laughs> Catcher in the Rye, or The Grapes of Wrath. I'm not sure, but any one of those could show up just because I have a vague idea of what's on high school curriculums. I don't even know. Uh, I'm thinking I teach a little bit of Hemingway. We've done Old Man in the Sea. There we go. Uh, Catcher in the Rye is 10th grade. I don't do that. And I kind of hated that book anyway. Oh, so did I. Oh, God. And Grapes of Wrath is not on any of our curricula. So oh, that, no? that, that one we don't do, at least in our high school uh, <sighs> Montgomery County stuff. Oh. And I know that those are books. <laughs> no. <laughs> Grapes of Wrath didn't like the the like sister suckle a grown man yes although she was not with child at the end it was all metaphorical see i'm not about no 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 no, no. she lost she lost her kid she'd lost her kid oh okay okay so she she would have had actual milk theory right but she was still she was still uh rosa sharn was still um giving that man life essentially I, i i remember it not only because of the book but because there was a play uh that i was in um when i was in high school and i was i was pa jode and did did the high school actress uh, pull out her breast and suckle one of the other actors on stage? No, no. We were actually doing this during summer theater, and I I forget what we did for that scene. Because <laughs> okay. That's twenty five years ago now. I just remember that I was in it. Um, and yes, that's that's what we've got. Um, by the way, speaking I just of time, know, audience, uh, it I, is in fact ten minutes in. <laughs> and we have <laughs> sorry, even said one thing. A, a plot-wise on the show. And All Mike right. was never invited on the show again. All right, <laughs> let's, let's get this started. Let's just let's just do this. So we're on a boat. Oh, <laughs> we, open. <laughs> we open on a boat that is not the uh not the boat from Lian Yu. This is like some barge parked in in um, the Star City Harbor. Yes, or whatever body of water Star City is next to. I'm not sure whether it's the ocean or a, a lake or a large river. Um, <laughs> but we see people with guns. It's five months after Lian Yu. Because we know because they give us a, a, that little subtitle. And then yeah. all of a sudden, an arrow shoots out and hits one of them, and he falls down. And then I want to say, just about simultaneously, four more arrows shoot out. Yes. And then we see dark, shadowy figure, and we can only assume that it is Green Arrow. But I want to talk about his entrance onto the boat. (laughs) Because he comes up from below the deck, over the heads of some people, and lands dramatically. So my question is... Where was he when he was shooting them? Mm-hmm. Because he, in order to do that entrance from below the deck, he would have had to have been pretty close to that boat. And those arrows were not hitting at an angle that suggested that he was below them at all. Well, as we will discuss later in this episode, and I don't know how common this is in the Arrowverse in general, but the spacing and like choreography and just kind of geography of this universe in this episode is bonkers. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we, you know, um, 
we like to be, you know, completely transparent on this show and and say what we're not. And we are not physicists, guys. No, we're, we're not <laughs> physics guys at all. But we will say with all certainty that the physics, and I'm using air quotes, I realize it's podcast and you can't see me, but the physics, I hope you can hear the air quotes in my voice when I say physics, Make no sense. Oh, we're and we're going to have a talk about that shortly when we get to Curtis's entrance. Spoiler, <laughs> Curtis is alive. Yes. You know what? I'm just going to spoiler this whole thing. Do you know who died on Lian Yu? One person. One person died on Lian Yu, and that was Samantha. That was William's mom, right? No, she, no. Two, two. Who else? Eve- Evelyn in the box. We don't know. <laughs> we did not see we Evelyn. We did not Evelyn. see her. And therefore, we cannot assume. We'll talk about what actually happened to Lee and you in a bit. But I just wanted to get that out of the way, right? Remember the whole island blew up, right? Uh, and apparently, like Thea's in a coma, but and Dig apparently has some sort of shoulder shoulder injury. That is the extent of the <laughs> casualties on Team Arrow after a whole fucking island blew up after sorry, being I- mined with. <laughs> Bricks of C4 every foot. <laughs> yes. Um, but I am going, this one of those rare times, agree to disagree. I put Evelyn on that checklist. She did. Okay. She might <laughs> She might be dead. So then two people died, and one of them died dramatically in Oliver's arms. But again, we'll get to that later. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, but we, uh, that is the... But um, this episode is almost dizzying with flashbacks. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's one every three to five seconds. Oh, and, and, and they have like, I can't even tell. So Now, you know, maybe, maybe this is just my unfamiliarity with the show, but sometimes I can't even tell if it's like a flashback or a flashback before the flashback. And then like they'll show someone is alive and then they'll flash back and like make us think maybe they won't survive and have no tension to it because clearly we already saw them walking around. Yeah. Well, one of the things I, that just to with the flashbacks, this, this is a common um, device the show uses. Yeah. And up to this point, what they would flashback to, it would start off with uh, Oliver was missing for five years and he was on that island. Lee yes. and you. So the show would go from present day and flashback to him being on that island five years ago. So those were a little easier to read because they would do a different kind of, it, uh, they almost shot them differently. It was a little grainier. Yeah. I mean, they use, they use, they use some sort of weird filter on it. That, yeah. Yeah. And so now we're only flashing back five months. Well, and, yeah. and I assume that when he was stuck on Lian Yu for five years, he was not wearing the green arrow outfit, but here they're wearing the same damn kind of clothes that they're wearing in both well, versions of he, time. He put it together. In those five years. <laughs> yes, he fashioned. <laughs> Boy, so so before we get to the flashbacks, back to the action on the boat. Yeah. So uh-huh. Green Arrow takes out like five mooks. And then he's finally about to take out this guy, Faust, who's, I guess, a new villain, right? He's never shown up before. He's never shown up before. Yeah, yeah so he's no. like a bomber. He looks like Brad Dourif from uh, Dune and uh, and Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Oh, and, and, uh, and uh, Deadwood. Yes. Oh, I didn't know he's on Deadwood. Yeah, he's he's the doctor on Deadwood. Nice. Well, glad he's getting work. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so Arrow takes out all these guys, and then this one random guy who's still alive. I don't know why you could have shot one more arrow in your barrage of eighty, 
Uh, he like captures Arrow by holding his elbow behind his arm, like some kind of like grade school bully. And Arrow is completely incapacitated by this guy while a Brad Dourif clone, Faust, like expostulates and then fires off a missile. And Arrow is doing nothing. He's just watching. I'm like, wow, this is like the weakest hero. This, this is my introduction to the hero after years of only watching the first two episodes. He's doing nothing. And the second the missile is fired, he in a moment with some kind of jujitsu move takes out the mook and is able to like get to Brad Dourif. And I'm like, what were you doing that entire time? You just There's wanted to have the dramatic of- tension. Yeah, there is a lot of that in this episode where the bad guys are just like, I'm going to do something. And the good guys are like, what? What are you, what? What are you, do- what are you doing? <laughs> what, what is happening? It's like, okay, it's- audience, and I assume most of you have seen uh, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, but it's like it's- the guards when Lancelot is rushing toward the gates? It's the guards when Lancelot is rushing towards the gates. It's also the guards in... Uh, the prince's room where Terry Jones is playing the prince and he sort of surreptitiously, badly surreptitiously ties a note to an arrow (laughs) and he's just doing it. And they're just watching him and smiling. It's yeah. uh, There's a lot of that. I I will say that before this particular scene, we'd had a cut over to dig. So we know dig is alive. And in that same cut, we saw Renee who is now using a shotgun and wearing a lot cooler looking armor. Yeah, like he, they came back from Lian Yu with the upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, yeah, there's Spartan looking, you know, just his regular self. And yeah. here comes Raw Dog with his. Uh, 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 wild Dog. We're not, we're not calling him Raw Dog. Oh, no. I will only refer to him as Raw Dog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a me thing. Well, I, he, I mean, he does have a kid, so we know that at some point, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yes, yeah, so mean, we we know the, the broken condom dog. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, ooh, ooh, oh, Patrick. Oh my. Okay. So we know, we know that those people on I Team Arrow me. are alive. Anyway, uh, now do we uh, have a flashback so, here? Yeah, we're we're getting the. I think I think they did the entire kind of cold open of the action uh, before the... we flash back to Lianyu, like resolve the Hello? entire missile thing and t- tech guy blowing it up with a super drone or whatever it was. Oh, no. Yes. Now, what happens is the Brad Dourif clone uh, is like, you can't stop this. You can't reprogram it. You can't do anything to it. And uh, you know, Ollie's like. But I have a smart friend who can. And we all thought he meant Felicity, but it wasn't Felicity. It was Curtis standing on the roof of a building. And he sees the missile go by him. And what does he do? But he flings a T-sphere. Let's talk about physics some more, kids. (laughs) Now, we know the T-spheres can fly. We know that they can hover. What I did not know until this episode is that they can go as they can go actually faster than a missile in full flight because this thing had to catch the missile that was already going at top speed. Well, remember, Curtis is an Olympic athlete, wasn't he? He was. He took bronze in something. Yeah, so when he, you know, he flings that T-sphere, you know, with the velocity of, I'm going to say, a softball pitcher. No, <laughs> but uh yeah no it it has uh, yeah no some sort of quantum jet that it catches a missile that had a good 10 second head i mean that missile was miles ahead yeah of the t-sphere um 
And I don't mean many miles, but it was like three to five miles ahead of the T-Sphere by the time the T-Sphere got thrown. Um, and it, it, it's just, look, I just want to say this. In, in sort of the same way that if Bruce Wayne is really a billionaire and he wants to help stop crime, there are a lot more effective things he could do than dressing up like a bat and beating up criminals. Um, if Curtis can invent spheres of metal that can fly at that speed with no visible means of propulsion, he has a lot more to offer the world than being a vigilante. Yes. He, he has clearly found some sort of revolutionary new either power source or way to use power, and it's a shame that he's using it on his balls. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. I'm going to suggest here. I I'm going to suggest something. Okay. With one word. All right. Snitch. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> he could make everybody's Quidditch dreams come true. <laughs> he has found the same technology that they use to create the golden snitch in Harry Potter. Is it magic? Is it science? Is it some sort of hybrid of magic? <laughs> well, pause for a second and back to uh, Ollie's incompetence. So, yeah, I know that we, the viewer, and I hate this kind of stuff in, in bad shows and bad movies. I know that we, the viewer, are supposed to be in suspense of whether this missile will be stopped or not. But Ollie seems to have 100% confidence that it will be stopped. So maybe instead of him turning to watch the missile and giving a quippy little line like, I have a smart friend who can, maybe you should capture the guy instead of, I don't know how Faust escaped from his boat when there was a friggin' oh, murderous didn't. vigilante. He didn't. Oh, oh that's right. That's right. right. I'm sorry. He did capture him. I'm thinking yeah. of yeah. later on, there's a horrible allowing to escape moment. But oh, jeez. Yeah. They, never, never, never mind, Ali. You did fine here. Good job. But it's, a, yeah, he, he basically, as soon as the missile explodes harmlessly somewhere, it's fragments landing, we can imagine, on streets, parking yeah, lots. Ki- ki- killing parks. pets, small Not children. On, you know, it was over the water. Was it? We saw that, yeah. It looked like because it was over the city to me. I don't Curtis's, know. All right. Curtis's sphere. Yeah. <laughs> his his ball. Hovered, his hovered over <laughs> the <laughs> missile for half a second, and then apparently somehow reprogrammed it. And what's going on? <sighs> uh, okay. Um I mean, just... I'm going to continue to talk because I can right. still see your waveforms. So, uh, arrow fires two hovered over arrows into Brad Dourif's then... shoulder. Apparently, one goes through his right shoulder and the other one just, like, goes through his clothes. But these arrows lift him off the ground. I loved that moment. That was my favorite part of the episode. I was like, yeah, him, yeah, how yeah. do you do it? Pinned him, like, they went through some sort of metal. Something. They pinned him to a metal beam of some kind. Okay, so there was a moment there where I couldn't hear you guys. And it, again, audience, you know, in our ever-going transparency, uh, we were probably talking over one each other. Okay. One another. And so I just came back in. So I don't... Um, we were I talking about you and how cool it is that Arrow uh, pins the Faust guy to the bulkhead of the ship with two arrows in his shoulders. Yeah. Oh. That's it. That's that's also, that's all we talked about. And I was talking about how the miss the T-sphere hovered over the missile and uh knocked out its guidance system and then it exploded over the water. Yes. Okay. 
Yes, that's what the T Sphere did. So uh, it was very exciting, awesome opener. Not not really. Not, yeah, not all magic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we cut to. Uh, I think that's where we go to um, the Arrow Lair. Yeah, I think so. And Income Felicity with Big Belly Burger. Yeah, and everybody's pretty much just just talking about stuff like they're just it's just the the aftermath of a mission, and they're they're really happy with themselves. Um, and Felicity hands out Big Belly Burgers, and she tells Ollie that she got what she got for William. And by the way, these bags are clearly empty. Yeah, I was going to say pr- prop department definitely did not get burgers. No one ever pulled out a piece of food. It was just a giant white bag with a sticker that said Big Belly Burger slapped right on there. Uh, and it's also, well, I mean, you know, if you have a bag of fast food, how if you've got food in it, it actually bulges. And Felicity implied that not only had she gotten all of her food, she'd gotten William a choice of burgers and fries. That's so right. there so should there were have been three burgers and two yeah. fries in that bag. <laughs> and it looked like there was nothing. And, but it was perfectly... Um, if it were a bag of chips, I'd say blown up yeah. <laughs> and folded neatly, and and it had no weight, and, and there was no grease, and no grease. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, so, so let's say clearly, if there was a burger in there, a pretty substandard Big Belly Burger. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh and Felicity and Oliver have a moment, which uh, it, it just suggests that Felicity and Oliver are still. They're still working out the terms of their relationship, and Felicity is a little bit uncomfortable uh, hanging around William because things are weird for William and Oliver, and things are weird for William and Oliver, and Felicity doesn't want to get involved in that weirdness just yet. And then Ollie leaves. You know, I thought that was actually a nice character moment, not knowing these people, but it felt like they were checking off a box because except for like maybe a meaningful look halfway through the episode, it's never brought up again. And like their relationship is not front and center at all. And I was like, Oh, all right. (laughs) No, I mean, they, um, they had a relationship. Um, I think it was starting in season two and going into season three. And then Oliver found out he had a kid and his mom said, I will, the kid's mom was like, I will let you see your child. If you tell no one else of this child. And, Oliver was like, this is an impossible choice to make because now I can't tell Felicity. And then Felicity found out and she's like, I can't believe you kept that from me. I don't care what his mom made you promise to do. We're over. This all sounds like the kind of stuff rational people do. So I I like I like this. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, there were all all of those decisions were completely rational. All of them were. Also, on a sidebar note, I just want to make mention of the fact that whatever tragedy befell them on Lian Yu. Uh, Felicity comes back with a fantastic tan. And <laughs> that's what the bombs did to Felicity. Yeah, I was going to say that was the fire. There you yeah. go. And they highlight this tan by I, I said this while we were watching, like each scene she is Felicity is in these really vibrant jewel tones that are just it's like <laughs> it's like when somebody comes back from an island vacation and they're like, I want to make sure that everybody knows I'm Zotan. So I'm going to wear all these cu- these tones that just show off my skin. <laughs> and uh, it, it did. I, I found it quite distracting. Well, I, I found distracting that she was by far the best female actress on the show. And that's not a high bar, but she was actually kind of okay. Oh, yeah. Emma, Emily Bett Rickard is her name and uh, agreed. Yeah. No, no, I agree. Uh, I will. I also stand by that statement. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, I think now we get our first flashback to the island somewhere in here, right? Oh, we've already had one. This is our oh. second flashback. <laughs> okay. we, we didn't talk about the first flashback. Let's let's yeah. um that I mean, was... let's, let's just, I, I say we just cover them in one big clump because they certainly didn't think about how to space them out in any meaningful fashion. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's let's do this. Let's just let's just go through what happens on Lee and you in one big <laughs> clump. Okay. I like it. Okay. So first flashback is a quick check-in uh when we see uh Dig Felicity Curtis, uh, Renee, Renee, yeah, Quentin, and Quentin, yeah, Dinah, and Dinah, yeah, and they're by Samantha and Thea. We do, yep, yeah, that's right, and they're, yeah, that's it, yeah, no, no, and no, that stroke. I was about to say Slade is in there for some reason. I don't see why he has any emotional attachment to any of these characters, but he's there. Okay, and they say, all right, well, we've got a way to shield some part of the island from the bombs and let's all run to that location and samantha 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 yeah. she, she says oh i've got to go find william and she runs off in the opposite direction and thea chases after her right a bomb goes off and felicity runs towards where she's going and she does my favorite the classic white girl in heel horror movies fall yes <laughs> For no reason. Just no, no, th- th- there was some really rough uh, sand by her foot, man. And it was just terrible. And uh, Dig picks her up, I think. And then she starts running and the explosions. Now, see, I would have thought that all of those blocks of C4 would have exploded at the same time. But they, they didn't. It was sort of a rolling explosion. And Dig got sort of caught in the middle of them. There's sort of a horseshoe shape that he was in the middle. And we do see something hurtling toward him. And then that is the end of that. Now, we will get that one more time from his perspective. We'll get that one more time, just that bit, when he's rubbing his shoulder later on, as though to imply that there was some sort of wound. A wound? A wound, yes. (laughs) Uh, In the Shakespeare. Yes. Also, can I just say, I know that, you know, you are the... uh, uh, well, for um, the listeners who don't know, or and for Mike, um, Seth is quite adept at uh, parody songs. Oh, Patrick, we lost you again. <laughs> oh, and can you hear me now? We'll never know what you were adept at. Oh, no. Uh, I don't like uh, that at all. Here, can you hear me now? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Adept at parody songs is what I was saying. Yes. And uh, I just thought of one, which would be... Uh, Rolling explosions. You know, there's a bomb going off in Lee and you. <laughs> no, okay. Oh, rolling <laughs> explosion. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I, I, I do have to comment on the bombs. I mean, the bombs are the most, based on this show, bombs are the worst killing invention ever. They should have just been left behind in like ancient China or whatever. Like no effect on almost anything. The, the bombs start fires or anything. Do a minimal amount of damage. Let me, and, and again, if you remember, if you remember when we found out that Lee and you, the entirety, the entirety of Lee and you was mined based on all of the red circles that showed up on Felicity's iPad when she tapped into the Wi-Fi and took a look, right? Um, they were roughly, they were what, like oh, something like gone. eight inches yeah. by three inches by three inches. They were that, they were that large. They were very yeah. big bricks of C4. And what, 
Hello, audience. <laughs> In the spirit of complete transparency, once again, Zencaster shit the bed. Yes. Uh, so we're now recording again, and I believe, uh, thanks to Mike, that I was talking about the all the red dots on Felicity's iPad. Right? It looked it looked like there was pretty much one brick of one large brick of C four for every square foot of the island. And right? it's a C four, which yeah. in you know I'm not. An explosives expert guy. No. <laughs> and, but um, for what I know of C4, that shit's pretty powerful. And like a brick could take out a city block. Yeah, like a big building. Like, uh, actually, I just want to make sure. Mike, are you still there? I am still here. I'm just listening. Okay, to good. You're just making sure. Wax yeah. poetic about explosives. Yeah. Are you an explosives guy? I, I mean, I've watched enough action movies to know that if I put a brick of C4 at the foundation point of a large base in multiple points, that the entire base will explode and fall into the ground. So, yes, I, I, I am a believer in its power. Yeah, yes. So, I mean, a brick will leave a pretty substantial crater. Right. But and I don't know don't... where they get their C4. Or, or, it'll, <laughs> or it'll do a fashionable explosion that'll slightly knock Diggs uh, off, his, uh, off his feet. Yeah, because they got the discount. They got off-brand C4. They got C6. <laughs> I, I was going to go with C1. Yeah, I was going to go down in a number. C6 sounds like the upgrade, right? All right, all right. They got, they, got, they got themselves some C1. Because when we come back, it just looks like Mordor. Yeah. Yeah, for some reason, it's it's dark. Everything is lit as though there are distant fires. All the trees are black and the limbs are skeletal. All the trees are black. The trees are black, black. and the limbs are skeletal. Yeah, you know that, that's a good point. I guess they couldn't afford to actually have like open fires on the set that they clearly used, so they just uh, like put a filter over it and and lit it red. <laughs> yeah, it's like let's make it singy, very singy. Yeah. So we we come back and Oliver and William they're just randomly standing there. Like there's no we don't get any like scene on the boat where even just somebody says we better go back and check on them, right? They're yeah. just standing there. Yeah, like Ollie's about to say, "See son, when you light a campfire, you can't walk away." Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just it's yeah, it um and it's really only to establish that they came back from the boat they went from the boat that they were on back to the island after the explosions. Yeah, and Ollie tells William that he's going to go look for William's mom. That's that's it. And then he stumbles off into this hellscape. Yep. Um, and then, then everyone else is just in the hellscape. Fine, we're going into later flashbacks. I, like, I yeah. mean, it really, like, he runs into Slade. He sees Slade, and Slade is absolutely fine. Now, yeah. which version of Slade is this? Because I know in the comics, uh, depending on where Slade is in his continuity, he has like extreme healing powers and stuff. Um, so in in Arrowverse continuity, Slade was uh, was sort of Ollie's mentor. Uh, they fell in love with the same woman. The woman chose Ollie. Slade never said anything about his attraction to this woman until this woman died. Now, here's how she died. The villain of the flashbacks in season two, Dr. Ivo, was running experiments looking for a Japanese drug called Mirakuru, which gave anybody who took it enhanced strength and healing powers, right? Yep. So, uh, all these also draw, It also drove you bonkers. It also drove you bonkers. I mean, now, I forget, I forget why this is happening, but uh, Dr. Ivo is trying to make Ollie do something, and he's threatening to kill 
one of two women that Ollie has either had or is having a relationship with. Shadow, the woman on the island whom Slade loves, and Sarah Lance, Quentin Lance's other daughter, uh, Laurel's sister. And presumed dead in presumed the, dead in the uh, the explosion that took out the Queen's Gambit, the boat that Ollie and his dad and Sarah were on that started this whole mess. Anyway, wow. Okay, <laughs> yeah. that was uh, that that was extremely useful. <laughs> yes, but yeah. So Slade's on the island. Ollie's on the island. Uh, there are some nicely singed bodies, like no actual like wounds that would have taken the makeup department anything to do. But uh, yeah. is that his sister first, who's like there? Yeah, but, like yeah. Slade basically says, I came back to look for people. Your people came back to look for people. And your sister did. Oh. And Ollie's like, what about my sister? And Slade doesn't say anything. And then we we go to Thea's body, which is not crumpled or in pieces or open. It's like, just she's lying yeah, picturesquely she's- on the ground. She's got a little smudge on her cheek. But she's non-responsive. Right. And Ollie sinks to his knees in horror and Slade stands stoically by until Samantha stumbles in from somewhere. Who has remained alive just long enough to fall into Ollie's arms and give a death pledge. It's essentially, (laughs) Ollie, be our son's father. I'm gone. Yeah. (laughs) Like make make me make me another ridiculous promise. I mean, it's not that ridiculous because Ollie is the kid's dad, but the kid didn't know that for ten years. The kid has lived right. his entire life into ignorance of who his father was, and Oliver didn't even know he existed until two years ago. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, then, uh, and so yeah, then our next flashback is um, Dinah and Quentin. I think. It's uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. that's right. Because there's this whole, uh, you know, dramatic subplot of people not trusting each other for the space of about 20 minutes of the episode. That's certainly impactful uh, where <laughs> Quentin and Dinah don't want to tell Ollie what really happened on the island with Laurel, uh, Laurel, 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 too, uh, because they said first that she's dead when they found her, but then she wasn't dead, but then Quentin shot her, although she still wasn't dead. But yeah, it's, it's dramatic. It's basically the thing they're going around looking for survivors in the temple and they're on their guard because, uh, Talia Al Ghul might be there. Um, and, uh, what the uh, dark siren who is apparently not affected at all, much like the rest of, you know, much like team arrow, she's not affected at all by anything. She just comes in and decides that she's going to attack Dinah. Now, they have fought before, but that's because Dark Siren was working with Prometheus, the season, the villain from season five. He's the guy you saw in the flashback, Mike put the gun to his head and Ollie said no, right? Now, there's no reason at this point for Dark Siren to go all in on attacking Dinah. She just doesn't like her. Yeah, but there's no reason for it. Like she, she's got no way off the island. These people came in. Even if she's evil, the smart thing to do would be like, okay, get me off the island. Now hold hold on. I know the answer to this one. Actually, have you guys okay. seen Highlander? Yes. Yeah. So oh, you might okay. not realize yeah. this, but there is a rule among siren powered people that there can be only one. So she had to, uh, you know, take off her head with a scream so that she could get lightning in her body. Yeah, yeah, she was going to get the the quickening. That's right. Apparently. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what what happened was was that Quentin shot Laurel, um, 
We don't know where he shot Laurel because she just sort of collapsed and we didn't ever see any blood. Well, I think it was still in that same area where they were like the, in the uh, temple. Yeah. No, I think um, he means where like on her body. Where on her she body. Oh, where shot. on her body. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We, we have no idea. He it, shot it, her it's... in the temple. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> not the temple. Yeah, this, is not, this is not clue, Patrick. We're not concerned with like the whereabouts of the murder. You just don't like it that I crushed. That's you. Not, that's exactly true. That's, that's why I brought it up. <laughs> oh boy, Mike and I and, play mini board games together often, and just I had one time we were, I we were over at his house, and I, I had this Patrick story. start the music. Patrick, oh, okay, sorry, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. So we were doing a game night over at Mike's house, and I noticed that he had had Clue the board game on his. Uh, game rack and i was like oh i've never played clue before and so we really yeah i had i had never truly played a game of clue I oh wow been, okay um, and so we sat down and we started to play and i won i want to say was it like two or three consecutive games well and and this guy's a clue savant. Okay, let, let me let me <laughs> let me explain the full gravity of what Patrick is alluding to. I had for those who have played Clue, you know, you're going around, you're checking off weapons and locations and people, trying to narrow down your suspects. I had maybe made perhaps perhaps five check marks on my sheet, not counting like the ones that you start with. And Patrick already had the killer and everything perfect. Like I, I wasn't even within the realm of knowing one element of the murder, let alone all of them. He's like the Sherlock. Oh my God. I don't even master detective. Yeah. You I, say Clue I say master detective. So, so like, some, you know, I think Clue what, might like have accidentally hard. been thrown away from my collection. I, I don't know. It might've, <laughs> it might've just disappeared. Uh, it was so gratifying, but anyway, much yes. like the master detective there. No. Um, yeah. So she, she gets shot and just sort of falls down. And then the last flashback we get is a flashback from Black Siren's point of view, where somebody in a helicopter flies over to Lee and you and get, and again, remember this Island's supposed to be secret. Yeah. Right. It's supposed to be a secret Island. Uh, by the way, I looked up who the villain is just to satisfy my curiosity and I know who it is and it's dumb, but, um, <laughs> uh, somebody, like apparently goes to this temple, uh, walks in, and as soon as he kneels down, Black Siren does the gasp, eyes open, awake thing. Seemingly none the worse. Again, she doesn't appear to be bleeding anywhere. No, no. So unless he was using like one of those beanbag bullets or something, she just got knocked. Maybe her clearly latex looking uh, costume is actually like Kevlar infused and so she was knocked unconscious like she fell down and hit her head and that's why she was unconscious (laughs) anyway uh now quentin thought he killed her so that is that is all you need to know about what happened on lee and you now now Now, hold on now these these are correct if i'm wrong one of these is a current police officer and one of them is a former police officer which means they would probably know some basics of first aid. They would probably have some protocol that's very ingrained in them to like check the vitals of a shooting victim. Um, you don't know procedures on star city police. I mean, that's okay. That's a good point. That's a good point. But like, they were very ready to be not, not only assuming she's dead, but like feeling guilty about it and making the like mutual choice to hide it from their best friends without any attempt to verify that she was dead at all. Like clearly with no blood coming out of the wound. So yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, it's just and getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because we put all these flashbacks together rather than deal with them as they show up in the episode. Uh, Dinah and Quentin decided to lie to spare Quentin the pain of telling his friends what he'd done. Uh, and we'll we'll talk about why. Like, I understand why they're doing what they're doing with Quentin, but it's also needlessly dumb. Made, uh, okay, yeah, it made no sense for them for him to be showing all of this because throughout the episode he is just riddled with guilt yes and to the point of where he's you know back to almost drinking you know yeah but we'll Uh, get there okay so these are the that's a flashback all right so so now i think we go to ollie's apartment yes which is as far as we can figure in the lair because all I, of the walls are that same concrete. I'm going to say it's above. Like, if the layer is in the basement, then this yeah. is the penthouse. Yeah. But still, there's no windows. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a solid building. It's a solid building. And Ollie um, the, talks to uh, what appears to be his housekeeper, whose name is Razia. I thought it was, I would say not housekeeper, but nanny. I was going to say nanny like as well. I, think. I would say right. nanny. More focused on child care than cleaning. Someone yeah. to take care of the boy. I felt like, and I felt like, yeah, her name was Rosalita or something like that. No, I thought she was, I thought she was more like Eastern European. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I know I'm saying from what I just thought I heard, but I might have. Pa- Patrick you know. just likes to assume all Latino, maybe vaguely looking women are named Rosalita. <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. It's a okay. comforting name. I think it's pretty. Uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, Ollie she, comes in. They have some dialogue suggesting that she has been the queen family nanny. Uh, we have, of course, not seen her in ever. any other season. I love this kind of stuff because if you all had not said that you had never seen her before, yeah, the way they wrote her in, I would have totally assumed that she was a regular since season one, you know, and like you'd even seen like flashbacks of her taking care of young Ollie. Yeah. Um, Never seen her before. We might. We might see flash. I don't know what they're going to do with the flashbacks in this season. I don't know. My theory has been that since they're always doing flashbacks five years in the past or so, that we are just going to get a bunch of flashbacks of season one, but we'll see what happens. Um, so he goes to check on the kid. The kid is not doing well or responding to anything he's saying. Ollie is upset. Uh, yeah, he's definitely inherited his father's brooding. Yes. <laughs> um, that kid is playing some video games and just sitting in the dark in his cement room. Yes. It, the room looks like a cell. Yes. It, it, it I, looks- I mean, it's a nice cell, but... It's still pretty, like, I've never looked at a brutalist building and said, can I live inside that? (laughs) Um, So then we go to the SCPD. Yes. And uh, Dinah is interrogating Faust. Oh, Oh, we don't get Dinah Oh, this scene is my favorite. (laughs) We get get random cop. Yes. Oh, that's right. But I thought. Well, no, no D- Dinah's in there she, first, and the guy is Dinah's being in there total... first, and Dinah leaves. Yeah. No, so, no, 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 no. He goes in there. He The random cop is in there. Faust is like, can I get a drink? Random cop is like, uh, my lieutenant's going to have to be the one to answer that. And then Dinah makes her entrance. Okay. Because uh, okay, remember, okay. 
when everybody got back from the mission, they said, even without having Dinah in the field, like perhaps teasing us with the idea that they have yet gotten rid of another Black Canary. Right. Like that Lee and you was a twofer and Black Canaries two and three were gone. By the way, just to mention the flashbacks in Evelyn, she gets one mention, that girl in the cage, and then we don't know what happened to her. Like Patrick is pretty sure. Yes. (laughs) But because this is Arrow until I see a body, I don't believe it. But wait, but wait. Okay, so this, this scene... So Dinah, the guy's a the guy's a shit breather. He's totally rude. He's like cocksure. He says he needs a drink. Dinah's frustrated. She leaves. Uh, this random cop is in the room. Love this guy. All right. So he's staring at the dude. The guy uh, <laughs> has a drink. Sag card. Yeah, yeah, t- totally. Uh, he's he's staring oh, at the guy. The guy reaches on, into wait, his mouth. Wait. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Wait, I've got to stop because we're not we're not there yet. Dinah leaves the room. Pat's random cop on the cheek says, don't look so down. He's like, I'm down because Quentin Lance isn't here, and he was supposed to be here an hour ago. And Dinah's like, oh, uh, all right. Oh, I know where he is. It's fine. You go get that guy a soda or something. Oh, yeah, that's right. That takes. Oh, that sets up the bar scene. Okay, That sets up the bar scene. Right. So I believe the bar scene happens first. Does it? I don't uh, know. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're probably right. Because then, well, then okay. Dinah's back there and Quentin's there too, right? Like in the aftermath? Not, no, no, no. They missed the aftermath. They they missed that whole thing. Okay. Um, okay. So basically, Quentin is staring at three full shot glasses and Dinah comes in and says, you don't have to be like this. And Quentin's like, oh, I'm so guilty. Everything I was all just guilt all the time. I'm just guilty. I don't find piece at the bottom of those glasses and Dinah's like no no you won't you won't do that you won't do that and then I think she stays with him and we cut back to and then we cut back to random yeah. cop and random by, cop. by the way Quentin is giving like nothing to work with in this episode like it's all just gravitas and exaggerated emotion but m- maybe I'm biased because I liked uh, the Dresden files but that actor I think does a pretty good job probably the best acting in the show with oh. the crap he's given no, we're we're of the same opinion. We like Paul Blackthorne's acting. We think his accent is a little weird to deal with. It's awful. Wait, is he is he British originally? He is British originally. Yeah. Well, so his his American gravitates to vaguely New York. Yeah. yeah. N- not everyone can be not uh, only Laurie, I guess, or uh... vaguely New York, and also like a man with dentures in his mouth that are too big. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, so so this this cop, so so. Uh, Brad Dourif reaches into his mouth. Oh, no, no. He slams his head on the table. Oh, I forgot. He slams his head on the table to, like, loosen it. He reaches into his mouth, pulls out a false tooth, talks about the false tooth, says that it's C4, puts it in the drink. The drink slowly bubbles up. Like, picture, like, science fair volcano here. Like, slow, slow churn. Uh, The can crumples. The can crumples down. Then he says it's going to blast. Flips the table over so that the C4 detonates onto the cop and blows up this like perfectly ridiculous hole in the wall. Only one part of the wall. The cop and does zero, has nothing <laughs> to react to yeah. any of this. <laughs> just, just like you listened and to Mike give that expo- uh, exposition. That's what the cop did. He, he, just, he just stood there. <laughs> he just stood there. And the guy's like, I'm dropping it. And the cop could have grabbed the can and thrown it out a window in the time it took to actually explode. Yeah, he could have shot Faust. And, and by the way, because when he pulled the tooth out and yeah. said that it was C4, 
That's when you attack. <laughs> I also didn't know that soda could set off C4. Yeah, it, I, yeah. No, it but, was that I, I didn't understand that. I am not a chemist guy. Well, actually, no. you, you know what the problem was? He had heard the whole report on Lian Yu. And he assumed this was C1 and that it would have basically right. no oh, effect. Okay. But this guy, you know, it still wasn't C4 level, but this was like probably like C3, which was just enough to like vaguely hurt, you know, the cop and blow up a hole. This was honestly the most effective bomb in the episode, right? Which is saying something because it was enough C4 that you could like just enough C4 that you could pack into a tooth. So we're talking about maybe um, something roughly the size of a BB. Yeah. Right. Which... Had the it, yeah, that would have like the res- that amount of explosive. And I also want to point out that discount uh, discount Brad Dorif, low rent Brad Dorif, right? When he flipped the table over, nothing <laughs> happened to him, right? That apparently dropping it in the coke made it a shaped charge, so that it only <laughs> exploded outward one way. Did not push the table or low rent Brad Dorif back at all. And then as he gets out from nowhere, because the hole in the wall was not where she came from, Black Siren and a bunch of mercenaries come out. She is standing oh, there. The- she she like yeah. she was birthed by the C4. Like she was in, you know, uh, I don't know, like a, uh, a uh, like dehydrated state and like the coke rehydrated her and she popped into existence. So she was in his tooth. And they are are walking out. She's apparently in charge of this operation. Like, we don't know that some dude reactivated her or whatever. She is in charge of this situation. She tells somebody, okay, and they slap like a suitcase-sized bomb on a desk. And then they're walking out, and she clicks the button. And what happens is a bunch of smaller explosions go off at different points in the room. So I'm, let me break this down for you. Okay. So the ways I seize it is, and after so many of these, I think I'm in the minds of these arrow writers. So Faust slams his head on the desk, which activates the tooth that he then pulls out of his mouth. Once the tooth is out of his mouth, that sends a signal to Black Siren that she and her gang can enter the building and as they enter just everything they walk by they're just dropping little little balls of c4 up throughout the building as they go as they go as they go once the explosion melts or once the tooth melts the can it makes the can into a base which will then direct the blast only one way saving faust behind the table that is like a ninja bomb smoke uh, cover so that like Siren can make her cool entrance and then start to take out all of the cops in the building. Suitcase is there merely as a, you know, not only fashion accessory, but also just the um, detonator's uh, Wi-Fi, if you will. Okay. <laughs> so I, I do want to point out that they did open that suitcase and the brick of C4 that we saw in it then... <laughs> Well, that's just to take a because that's C one or CK one, if you will. That's right. Okay. CK one. CK one. It leaves a nice little scent after the explosion. Oh, Patrick, the Calvin Klein people are going to come right after us. They are. They are on. I can hear their lawyers already in their cars, opening their phones. Well, that serves them right. For CK one was a bomb. 
<laughs> Dang. Oh, boy. Shots uh, fired. Uh, back in Shots the, what, fired. Was that early 90s? I guess that was, you know, everybody wore it. But anyway, yeah. um, I digress. Yes. And uh, that was just clearly to blow up the fashionable case. No. Hey, no, you, yes. you know, I just thought of something. Yeah. So this bomb... They were trying to go with sort of a Dark Knight thing, and this guy wanted to be captured is like what yeah. the feel I got, although I don't think they accomplished anything by having him captured and then rescued. Well, they blow up the police headquarters. I mean, I guess that's cool. What, yeah. what was the point of the missile at the beginning? Because by the end of the episode, I know I'm kind of getting ahead, it seems like they were trying to steal something specific and reveal something specific. Why yes. were they shooting a missile at the city? The missile supposedly was he was holding the city hostage for a ransom that unless it was paid, he would fire that That's missile. right. It was about money. I did forget that. It was, it was about money. And then we never found out what the amount was, but uh, Black Canary 3, Dinah, pointed out that the amount of money that he was going to get from the city was probably equal to the amount he spent on skilled mercenaries to form his crew. So why was he doing it? And then, of course, we find out, at least at that point, that we think that Black Siren is behind it, but it turns out there's somebody pulling her strings as well. Uh, which also makes sense because... Black Siren has always been an ancillary villain. She's been an adjunct. She is working with someone or for someone. She has never been a planner. And this episode sets her up as a planner, and it's weird, and I don't believe it. Yeah, she is. She's hired gun. She's yeah. 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 And and they're the the when what's our next scene? By the way, what do we do? We cut uh, to what? From there we go. To uh, we um, have to we go to the lair. We go to the lair, where I believe they're talking about this, uh, and they they say they're going to move the police graduation. And Quentin says she was there because of me. She, he's able to. Oh, I was supposed to be there. She thought uh, I was your target, and um. Oliver's like, why? And Quentin's like, ugh. And there's there's a bunch of this. This is Dinah and Quentin, like, hiding what happened on Lee and Hugh for reasons. Yeah, like giving each other weird looks. Um, Yeah. And right when he's about to say why something happens that takes them uh, from the lair to... Oh, well, yeah. Um, we go to Ali in the apartment, and he's got to take Liam to school. <laughs> or something like that, yeah. Uh, and Liam basically just, like, brushes on by him as though he doesn't exist. Um, and we find out that uh, William, William has been having nightmares. Not yet, but yes. Oh, I thought we did. I thought... She mentioned the nightmares, and then the next time we see him, he's in the middle of one. Oh, he has one. That's right. You're absolutely yeah. right. Okay. Uh, and I'm then here. I think we... Oh, that's good. Uh, and then I think we go to the police graduation? Yep. Is that what it was? It was a graduation? Yeah. Uh, Did Okay. No, we go to the... <laughs> yeah. go to the main... it, it, what it is is Before just that, a bunch we, uh, of cops standing in City Hall. Office. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. Hang on. I forgot. No, we have to... We have to go back to the lair first because we have to talk about the sniffers. And we can't do that until we go to the – we forgot the scene with the van. So there's a whole bunch that I forgot. Oh, that's um, right because uh, Latino superhero gets shot 
because black superhero can't shoot. Or raw dog. Was that accurate? <laughs> Mike, I don't know why you're bringing race into this. This is just very... Uh, Wait, yeah. hold, hold on, hold on. I'm bringing race? I'm pretty sure they cast, you know, they're, they're clearly trying to, like, tick their boxes for uh, for diversity in the show, right? Right. Right. We, we have, uh, like I said, we have Quentin in the mayor's office with Ollie, and they um, he's still, again, trying to explain why... Laurel would be after him. Dark Siren yes. would be after him. And yeah. then we find out that there's a doings afoot and they we cut to the van coming down the bridge and there is Black Canary yeah. laying in wait and who gets out of the car but Dark Siren and they I want to say that Black Canary does the canary cry thing and completely destroys the front of the yes. van and Dark Siren gets out Hair unmust. Yes. How did they know as, where the van was? As they, uh, it, Felicity said something. Okay. By the way, it's and that's all. If if you're not familiar with these shows, here's how it works. If you are a scientist, you can do any science. <laughs> you are an expert at any science. You may, in fact, invent new technology, including like Curtis. the science of like biometric scanning across an entire city. Yes, well, no, they've had that. They actually, uh, there was one episode where they went to great lengths to free a hacker so that we could figure out where Prometheus's heartbeat was. Yes. And they used that once. And what they found was that he was in the building and then he blew up the lair, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, so that's a bit of a theme in this show is people blowing up the lair. Now, I, again, like, sorry, Dark Siren gets out of the car, the car, hair as perfect as a werewolf at Trader Vic's. <laughs> what? I saw a werewolf drinking a pina colada at Trader Vic's. His hair was perfect. Oh. <laughs> Warren Zevon, people, go listen to it. Werewolf in London. Okay. Werewolf uh, in London, yep. Or oh. of London. Werewolves in London. Okay, yes, go listen to it. It's a great song. It's a banger. And anyway. So... Uh, and then also, as she gets out of the van, so that they can square off, um, once again, the magic power of Star City, anybody who needs to be in the scene. Oh my gosh, this magically appears. Oh, yeah. It was, it was <laughs> like, literally, they're just walking. Like, there's no indication of where they came from. It's, so, it, so, have so, they come out of the van, the well, destroyed yeah, van? The, the, the well, minions no, I can imagine uh, were minions. in the back of the van. Like, yeah, like yeah. they could have gotten out of the van. But there's like five arrow fighters that just kind of like saunter up. They're not running. Yeah. There's no like bikes in the background. They didn't like, you know, shoehorn in some off-screen dialogue. Hey, our, our van just landed, you know, or like whatever. Well, they don't have a black bird, right? They're not the X-Men. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Here comes Curtis. Here comes Spartan. Here comes Raw Dog. Here comes... Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, they're all there, right? All and um, once again, has somebody blocked this street? Oh, like, there are has no, this is shut the bridge set. down? This is a set. There is no traffic anywhere on a highway of a major city at night. No. For <laughs> no. miles. No. We, we cannot see a single car other than that black van. Like, th this um, was less believable than La La Land, where they all got out of their cars and did a dance. This was <laughs> more absurd than that. Yeah. 
Topical. No, so they have a they have a fight. In this fight, not in the first fight that we saw him in, but in this fight, we see that Dig has tremors in his hand. And it yep. causes him to not shoot a guy who then shoots Renee full in the chest in his new armor, which apparently is not armor, it's just for show. Now, here's the best part. Renee falls off the bridge. Oliver then takes a beat, shoots some sort of rope arrow around the guy who shot Renee, jumps over the bridge, and falls faster than Renee in time to catch him. Guy who the rope is around serves as an anchor by slamming up against the side of the bridge, and then Oliver cuts the line, and he and Renee both fall on the top of a car. Yes. And, and we and find out... This bridge is like, you know, maybe... 40 feet above the ground. It's it's a good 40 feet yeah, above so, the ground. So it yeah. is not a lot of distance for Oliver to equalize their falling speed or right. whatever I mean, he did. When, when Oliver, like, okay, so Renee gets knocked over the the um, the bridge backwards. Yeah. So he's falling in that flat, um, I'll say, flying squirrel kind right. of uh, position. Ollie does the classic, I like to call it the Charlie's Angels, where they dive out of an airplane and make their bodies into a bullet. And so they fall at twice or three times the velocity of a regular falling object, because that's how physics works. Uh, and, and it just, like, Renee, it like seems like Renee had a good five-second head start. Oh, completely. And it's only, like you say, 40 feet. So there's, you can't. It's again, it was none of those. You can't do that moment. It's like, it doesn't work. He yeah. would have, Oliver would have had to go exactly right over behind. Well, him. maybe he used the same teleporting technology that got them to the van fight in the first place. That's true. I mean, or that's, that's entirely possible. Like, I honestly. powers those T-spheres. That's right. No, I, <laughs> he had a T-sphere on his butt and it just shot him forward at extreme speeds. I honestly had a theory that a minor villain from season five had teleporting powers because it was seriously like, he's there, he's not there, he's there, he's not there. And that's not what he has. It's just what they've written into the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like somebody says, we need to get uh, such and such from point A to point B. How do we do it? Uh, you write it. It's like, yes, <laughs> he starts at point A. He's at point B. He's at point B. They have yeah. the power to do that. Which honestly makes the Flash seem kind of pointless. Exactly. That's a good They're scene. all speedsters and they don't know it. Well, the funny yeah. thing is, from my limited experience with the Flash, he's often not where he needs to be, whereas yes. these people just magically are. Yes. There's a lot of that. As, as, as one of uh, as a previous guest uh, on the show uh, sort of expressed, there, there's a lot of in the Flash going, Flash, Flash go fast. Flash. Yeah. Why, why aren't you going fast? You, you can go fast, Flash. So, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, the the I, speed I, force is very limited. He's got like a magic bar, you know, like MPs, like seriously. in a lot of games. And he just has to really, you know, he has to carefully ration out his use. Okay, so we're back at the lair. We're back at the lair. They just uh, do a quick regroup. Did they say Renee had glass in his lungs? 
I did not. I did not hear that, but you, you, okay. you're catching up on details, so possibly. I thought he had something in his, like, I know he got shot in the chest. Maybe it was he still had something in his lungs, and they were, they were worried about him. Maybe Arrow and, landing on top of him and shoving him into a car that shattered. Maybe that got the glass yeah, in his maybe, lungs. Maybe that was something to do with it. Maybe the armor, which isn't, I don't know. Maybe it was fiberglass in his lungs. The armor <laughs> just got pushed in there. I don't know. So they're back at the lair. And now they're talking about the police graduation, and this is where Curtis comes up with the bomb sniffers. He's got two things roughly the size of, like, half a cigarette pack with blinky lights. And he's like, these can detect one ounce of explosive in a thousand-foot range, thousand-foot radius. So then there's a discussion about who's going to go where, and... He and Felicity apparently are the only two who can use these things, which I assume are just going to beep if there's an explosive. And so Dig stays behind to run comms, not only to run comms, but also because, you know, he's he's got the tremors. He's got he's got the afraid of his hips. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and Um, did we mention that Quentin is like fully convinced that Laurel, not Laurel, is after him and that he is the target of her focus? Yes, but we can mention it again. Yes. There, yes. I said it. <laughs> yeah. So now we cut to the mayor's office where there's... Oh, no. Okay. Now we go to the wood shop. Oh. Spartan and Black. That's right. I'm sorry. Oh, God. That was a dumb we, scene, too. We, yeah. They go to the wood shop where, and they have a little bit of a conversation where it's basically like, Dig is like, Dinah, tell the truth about Lee and you. And Dinah's like, Dig, tell the truth about your tremors. And they're both like, we're not going to tell the truth to anybody. We're not on the same. We're on the same team, but we're not. And then a very, very obvious, like, I don't even know what that device was supposed to do, but it looked like it was a plastic tube that might have held something at some point. And out of its housing, they're sticking a map or a diagram of City Hall. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's just like, no, we just jammed this here. This is where we keep our diagrams. Well, and, and also just the fun of a wood shop with, like, the only tool being in uh, evidence is a radial saw. Yeah, it was a table saw. what you use to make bombs. Like, that's what a yeah. bomb workshop looks like. <laughs> and it was a very dusty, very, like, it looked like nobody had been there in quite a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Then uh, we go to the apartment where Liam is in the, has the nightmare. Right. Liam is having the nightmare, and he's screaming, and... Oliver comes in and Liam is like, the bad man, the bad man is coming. The bad man is in my nightmares. And Oliver's like, no, he's not. It's okay. I I, I know that, you know, like the bad man took your mom away or something like that. And and William's like, no, the bad man is here. And Oliver's like, William, I don't understand. Where is he? And William points at Oliver. He blames Oliver for the loss of his mom. He does the classic shaky finger pointing at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, like it was a, like a horror movie for a second and yeah. not, not a good one. No, no, it was it was not. Because that is like, we're going to say I think we tried to just figure this out a couple of episodes ago, but Liam we're saying is like, what, 14, 13? No, no, he's, I, I think he's 11 or 12, maybe. Okay, I, I would say he looked, well, yeah. Okay, so let's say he's 11. Even even if he's 11, kids are vocal at that point. They're not even it, like he he wouldn't just raise his hand and point. That's something like a five to eight year old might do, you know? 
I just, it was, yeah, no. It, now, I will say that it might have been the trauma that caused him to regress. Ooh, that, I, think that's, I think that's harder than the writers of the show thought about this, but I like it. Uh, it, it Maybe, but it really was like the way he was talking, his speech patterns were those of a much younger child. Yes, and if you're going to do that, then let's, uh, you know, Let's wet this kid down with some sweat. Let's, you know, if he's reg- if he's truly going to regress, yeah, you know, he should be like shaking. And, let's have him wet the bed. Let's have him pee. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you have to, you know, the actor was incapable of emoting in any way, so yeah. you, you have to take what you can get. Yeah. Uh, but okay, so we get that he thinks his dad is the bad man. Yes. And um, so not the we- Batman. An important the distinction. The or bad the, man. Or the Pac-Man. Or not the Pac-Man. <laughs> or even Pac-Man. Not even Pac-Man. Uh, maybe Ms. Pac-Man. But we, <laughs> uh, we then go to back to the lair, and Quentin finally comes clean, clean about shooting Laurel. Yeah. And that's all that scene was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, oh, I want to point out, by the way, though, before, like, how weird the police graduation scene was. Have we gotten there yet? I thought I thought we did. I thought we not had. Yet. Not yet. Okay. We're not there yet. Yeah, yeah. I keep well, we set up there. the bomb sniffers. Now we're going there. Right. Yeah. Now we go. Uh, and and they, they had a lot of dialogue about how many cops were there, I think, to cover up the fact that there were like eight extras in cop uniforms there. Yeah. So, we yeah, we get to, um, I'm going to say, Star City City Hall. Yeah. And um, Mayor Queen Oliver is given this commencement speech at the wait wait hold on wait wait arrow is the mayor oh yeah <laughs> yeah 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 that's why yeah. that's why he's in a suit and at city hall all the time i wow i literally did not can't pick up on that at all until the final seconds of the episode now that i think about it this I was is gonna say, remember when <laughs> this by the way is is true in the comics as well at some point oliver queen was the mayor of star city Good for him. Yeah. Uh, so that that's why he's given this commencement. But it's a really weird. It doesn't sound like a commencement speech. It sounds like he's thanking people who are already cops. It does. Well, also I, I, I read it as like it was the we're going to be stronger together, even though the police station just got blown up speech. Like I didn't even it catch it was a graduation. It's also just weird because he's like. I don't want to minimize the loss of life and then just does not talk about the fact that nine cops died. Yeah. He goes, crime is down. People are coming and staying. I'm like, that's not, those are not the notes you want to hit right now, my friend. That's not what this should be about. He he pulled a Trump and he's like, I know we should be respecting the cops who died, but I've been doing a great job. The city's really great under my leadership. Thank you, everybody. I got to leave. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and, and then he does, and nobody says anything, and he just walks around City Hall. And t- and I want to tell you, by the way, during this speech, all the cops are, you know, in uniform, in lines. They are they are in ranks and staring straight at Oliver, and Dinah is just sort of sauntering past them slowly while he's talking. And it's just like, who does that at a graduation? That's weird. That's a weird thing to do. Also, oh, where's the press? She's well, she's there, you know, she's um, looking for, you know, suspicious people looking stunning, by the way. I had yes. To say. Uh, uh, but she's, you know, sauntering around looking through the crowd for the mad bomber. What bombs at midnight? And uh, <laughs> this isn't the tick, Patrick. <laughs> 
And uh, she, you know, uh, she's sussing out the situation. And we do find out in this scene that the, was he the police captain or was he? Uh, Lieutenant, I think, Pike. Pike is alive. Yeah, he's, he's, he's. survived his attack from prometheus he's walking with a cane he by the way is the uh the second police leader that i have seen in a dc show get stabbed pretty deeply by the main villain of a season and then end up back better walking with a cane and this is because i watch gotham yes where michael chiklis is the police captain for a while yeah he can't he all he plays is cops in the thing yeah I mean, I mean, not wrong. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he was the commish. Remember when he was the commish? And then he was on the not. shield, right? And he was, and you know, he was he was a good cop in the commish. And the shield, he was a bad cop. Mm. He's a very bad cop. And I didn't know what was going on uh, when he showed up on Gotham. I thought he might have been a bad cop, but he wasn't a bad cop. He was a good cop until he turned bad. Anyway, uh, so what I'm saying is, watch Gotham. It's a much better show. <laughs> so. Like, Ollie gives his speech, um, and <laughs> yeah, pretty much just Mike drops, walks away, and he's joined by Quentin, and they have their little dad to dad moment. Yeah, um, we're talking about. It, how it, he, it, how this he, is where we find out where Quentin needs to see a therapist, which, as we know, therapists do not exist in the Arrowverse. Uh, Quentin is like, I know all about this parallel universe crap, but it's just crap, and it's like, no, Quentin, it's she's. She's from another Earth, Quentin. She's literally from another Earth. Oh, but I get that feeling every time I see her. She's she's my little girl, Quentin. She's not your she's daughter. Not your daughter. <laughs> she is a stranger to you. You do you do not know her. She does not know you, except that you shot her. But yeah, they. Yeah. I mean. He does not get that through his thick skull. It's it's very, uh-huh. and he he really needs to be seeing somebody to work this out because this is a, this is a problem for him. And in the meantime, we find out there are no bombs at the ceremony. No, nobody's there, and uh, that's we flash back to the lair where Dig is, and oh, this they, scene, this scene, people, yeah, they <laughs> okay. All put two and two together at the same time is like, wait a minute. It's a trap. Yeah, okay. Now how do they know where the secret arrow base is? We don't know. Nobody they knows. just no. but every villain, <coughs> excuse me, every villain in every season of Laro, Laro, arrow has known where the arrow base was. I'm going to put it to you this way. I feel like there was you know remember Foursquare, the Foursquare app. I don't oh. know if that's still around. Yeah, yeah, people I, I are signing in. People are checking in. They're I checking think, in on Facebook. They're like, "Well, yeah. they're in the air, Yeah, it's like maybe Curtis, maybe Raw Dog. <laughs> one of them, keeps, you know, checking in. Hey, hanging at the arrow layer. Hey, <laughs> you know what I think? You know, you know what I think? I think that Oliver called the wrong phone number, and when he tried to get good guy construction to build the arrow layer. He actually he got, called evil construction. And oh, oh, hey, hey, hey. Mr. Queen, we'll build this for you, no problem. That's all right. Hey, who wants to know where the arrow layer is, eh? Exactly. 
Yeah. Don't look over there. That beacon, that that's just your, uh, that's a radon detector. Yeah, that detects radon. It certainly don't broadcast your location. Well, hey, I, I think even a good guy construction company would probably share information because they know they're going to get that repeat business after the lair gets blown up multiple times by C2, you know? Yeah, then by C2. Well, um, so, right. A grenade drops on the floor. Oh, my God, this grenade. This is ghost, like, magical, teleporting. I love this grenade. This is my favorite just, explosive in the show. It appears. We hear it tink, tink. And Dig has enough time to look at it before, before this grenade flings him 15 feet. With no discernible damage afterwards. From where he was standing. It, it lifts him up into the air enough to clear the computer desks and flings him across the lair. And at that point, the bad guys come down in the elevator. Yes, after they have thrown a grenade from God knows where, they blast down the door and come in. <laughs> so maybe, you know, I was going to see once again, being privy to the minds of the writers, what we don't see, and this was on the cutting room floor, I'm sure, is up in the rafters, they, uh, there's one henchman who is in that kind of Spider-Man splay where he's using his body to hold himself up uh, on the ceiling, and he's got the grenade in his teeth. And so his job was to wait until Dig was alone, drop the grenade, and then once they hear the explosion, they know it's safe to come through the elevator. <laughs> yes. I'm going to buy that. All right, Patrick, uh, whatever. Yeah, it's so they blow the doors and uh, like it, it's Dark Siren walks in a she walks in a big U. She walks into the center. She says, don't worry, Felicity. Dig's just catching up with an old friend. And. Uh, Black Siren, I think, teases him about his uh, about his gun and not being able to fight. And then he like slides an exploding arrowhead, and the exploding arrowhead does a little flashbang and gives him enough time to move. He gets he yeah. gets like around a corner into the hallway he, where he fights the mooks later. Yeah, he he's fighting like he doesn't have a gun. He's fighting people, um, and. And we do in this scene, you know, we see a part of the layer that we've never seen before. Yeah. So, so it's like another hallway. Yeah, which leads me to believe that it's a new, it's a new. Uh, I think it's still the same layer. I think gonna, yeah, do you think they I, built an extension? I think we've never seen this side. We always take action to the left where like would have been the, um, the, you know, the ventilation system when they got trapped with the gas leak and uh the methane gas <laughs> where they went into yeah. the other hallway where felicity's legs didn't work so this is the other side <laughs> of the building this, okay that's it's it's the other side of the lair the side we've never seen okay we always right. see the center but like but dig gets captured like not he's about to be shot by one of the mooks he cannot defeat them because he tried to shoot the guy a bunch of times and missed right yeah, he did. He did. I mean, he did, he was okay hand to hand, but once he got the gun, he had the he had the yips again. He couldn't. So thank God for him. That arrow is there, shooting an arrow into the guy who's about to shoot him. What? What would you say? Like forty seconds have passed since the something uh, like that. It's been maybe maybe. Let's say give him the benefit of the doubt and say like three minutes. 
But it took three minutes for him to get there from City Hall and change into full costume. Yes. <laughs> that is accurate. <laughs> I'm going to say they use an interconnecting series of tunnels. Maybe okay. they, uh, what, what do they have on uh, the Justice League's orbiting satellite, like boom tubes or whatever? Well, they have yeah. the teleporter. Yeah, they have the mother box with the boom tube. Yeah, there whatnot. you go. Okay. By the way, I, I don't, I don't watch the show enough. Does Arrow get a like killing heart shot on every minion he shoots with an arrow? Is he murdering um, every one of these people? No, no, I think he's shooting them in the shoulder yeah. mostly. So, am I, am I like misunderstanding the wound that is caused by an arrow in the shoulder? Because these guys never get up again, never fire their guns from the ground. Like they are literally incapacitated completely by this arrow. I'm assuming that he's got some sort of trank in the arrow, that they're special trank arrows. I don't okay. know. And then and yeah, then these, these guys who now know where the arrow base is, do they get like, does, do, do all the heroes after the fight just like carry them out of the base, like one by one? I don't know. Do they like do some fireman carries, you know, and then like send them to jail and hope that it, the enemies never they tell They don't them tell where, where the arrow base is? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, it's, it's, it's just, it's one of the many mysteries of the arrow version. Because I would like it better if he had like a tank of sharks in some sub level <laughs> and he just dumped the guys in there like after he shot him in the brain with, uh, with an arrow, you know, that'd be great. Well, after the first season of the arrow, he went from, he initially he was killing people. Oh, yeah. And then he was like, okay, um, he went on the path of, you know, non-lethal uh, shooting. Yeah. And then he sort of waffles between them. Now it's hard to tell where he lands on any given day. But again, he was trying to be non-lethal and he took into onto his team Wild Dog, a man whose special powers are guns. Yeah. <laughs> well, he could shoot them in the shoulder too and make them fall down forever. I guess. So, That's, so yeah, three minutes pass. Arrow shows up. Well, another the entirety ten, of Team Arrow shows say, up. Like another ten seconds, and the rest of the team is there. And I, I do want to see like the end of the graduation ceremony, where all of these major figures in the city, like the mayor, the deputy mayor, like all these people, suddenly like put their hand to their earpiece, look freaked out, and everyone runs out the nearest exit immediately. Like that's that's I want <laughs> that would be a fun scene yeah. to witness, you know. And yet no one suspects they have alter egos. No, of course not. They're like, oh, there must be a big party for everyone except us. Yeah. So uh, they, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say. So, yeah, so then there's there's a fight. Like, Dinah shows up, and uh, Dark Siren calls her a bitch, and Dinah essentially says, take one to no one, and they start to fight. Now, I want to say that in every fight they have, Dark Siren always wins, and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Dinah should be better at hand-to-hand. Dinah also goes into battle with a staff. So it's weird to me that every time they fight, Dark Siren gets the upper hand. And the reason is, is because Dark Siren has her some plot armor. Mm-hmm. There, there's no reason for her to keep getting away, except that the plot demands that she yeah, keep she getting gets away. away. Yeah. Yeah. What freaking... And- oh my gosh, this pissed me off. In a show that's kind of dumb anyway. A Faust gets away, and... <laughs> Arrow, you know, in, in the way that, like, arrow, arrows just sprout out of people. There's, like, three enemies in this one part, like, near the end of the fight. And two of them sprout arrows. And Faust, the only one who does, uh, who's, like, you know, actually has a name, does not sprout an arrow. And just runs off screen. And Arrow's just, like, standing there. I'm like, you can fire 80 arrows a second. Shoot that guy, too. Like, do something to him. 
I mean, you've shot him once, shoot him again. Yeah. But uh, what we find out is that, you know, Dine is in there to blow the base up. And literally, again, another suitcase of C4. Oh, sorry. Laurel isn't there to blow the place up. There's a suitcase of C4 that Faust just sort of gently presses to one of the glass costume cases, and it stays instantly. Well, uh, you know, it's made of that same material that you get those, like, uh, little sticky balls that you can throw against the wall. Oh, right. And okay. Clings, and then, it's made of but, gak. Yeah, gak, exactly. Yeah. But before we leave this scene, because the explosion kind of, uh, it kind of, you know, book uh, ends it. Yeah. My, can I just say, in this whole sequence of all of this fight choreography that was laid out, my favorite move was after, like, the flashbang when the team arrives and Dig gets up and he goes after Faust to fight him. He just shoves him through a wall of weapons. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, he goes a flying. I I laughed my ass off. I thought it was like you know sometimes the simplest move is the most effective. Uh, and I want to say once again, okay, okay. So D- Black, uh, Black Siren gets the best of Dinah. She goes down. This is right after Dig flung Faust through the wall back towards Dark Siren. Faust stands up. Dig's making sure Dinah is okay. 10 feet away and black sirens like we got to leave and saunters off. Yep. Nobody chases her. Nobody shoots an arrow at her. Nobody f- throws a T sphere at her. She just saunters off. Well, T spheres are pretty slow. I don't think they could actually catch her. If he threw one, they're as fast as a rocket. <laughs> faster than they're a faster than a missile. So, and as she goes through another corridor and now she's by herself, we don't know where fast went. She's by herself in a corridor, and there's Quentin. He's stop. And then she basically is like, oh, what? Oh, let me play some mind games. And then as she comes by, she's like, don't torture yourself about it. If the situations were reversed, I'd have shot you too. Bye. Bye, Daddy. And she leaves. And then Team Arrow regroups, and they're like, well, obviously they used C1 again because we just got a few... Sparkle flash. Oh my gosh, this, this is the worst bobbing of the entire episode. There's like five chairs knocked down. The like, she she put the the entire suitcase of bomb, like sticky bomb, right on the uh, the glass case of the old uh, black canary suit, right? And that thing yeah. like has like some broken glass. It's like this is <laughs> these bombs are so minimal. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Team Arrow is like, okay, uh, we got to regroup. Wait, was she actually bombing? No, she wasn't bombing. She was going to steal something. What could she steal? Well, we've got weapons. And I'm like, your weapons aren't that much to write home about. Go inventory everything. So they go to inventory everything, and then we cut to another scene. Yes, then we uh, – that's where we cut to – Is it Oliver and the kid again? No, it's the hospital and Renee. Oh, right, right, right. Right. And being checked, checked out. Yeah. And uh, or he's checking himself out while I was checking him out because he's got a little service action. Yeah. So he stands up. He's got a little scar on his chest. He seems fine. Oliver's like, you should rest a little more. He's like, no, I'm fine. And then basically Oliver's like, hey, you get a do over for that hearing. And it, it yeah. is, and it's like, this is something special. This is and it's like, 
Would it have been really hard to have gone to the judge and say he was kidnapped by Adrian Chase? You know, the former DA who's turns out turns out to be a serial killer. I think the judge is probably going to go, oh, well, that is an excuse. Maybe they figure if they do that, then it might open up a whole can of worms as to why he was kidnapped. But what we get in this scene is yet, you know, as Arrow often does, it's like, okay, let's make this our theme running through the episode. And this theme was my two dads. Yeah. I like to call it because they give Oliver every opportunity to talk to anybody who's got a child and have this moment of what's going to happen or this is how dad being a dad is. Um, and so this is Renee and Ollie's little dad to dad. moment. It, it yeah. does seem a lot easier to be a dad when you're a uh, super rich playboy who can just like buy uh, retrials from judges and uh, hi- hire full-time nannies to live in your underground lair and watch your traumatized kid. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't even think he bought it. I think he just went up to the judge and said, "Judge, I'm the mayor. Give this man a re a rehearing." And the okay. judge, said, wait, wait, <laughs> hold on, wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me that Oliver is the mayor? <laughs> uh, well, okay, so I think I see the confusion. Oliver Queen is Green Arrow and also the mayor. Wait, Oliver is Green Arrow? Yes. Okay. So he was the show a mask, was originally no called idea. Arrow, but he was originally called the Hood, and then the Arrow, and now the Green Arrow. So I can see why you might, uh, you might be uh... stupid. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Mike. Mm. Um, now, did we get no. to the stinger at the end of the episode yet? No, we're not there not yet. yet. No. So from from there, uh, in that portion of the hospital, we then walk around the corner. And uh, by Kawinky Dinky, Thea's in the same hospital in a coma. Yep. So we find out that Thea survived, but she's in a coma. Oliver's standing there grieving privately, and who should walk in but Slade? And Slade is like, kid, I got to tell you, I've had my son. He's in Calgary. I'm going. And Oliver's like, congratulations. I hope you find what you're looking for. You don't think I will? Well, finding a son isn't the same as being a father. Well. You'll have a choice between being the man they need you to be and being a different man who's not that man. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention at that point. But again, yet another dad to dad. Yeah. And also, they do that a lot on this. I feel like they do it more on Ep- on Arrow than they do uh, other Arrowverse shows. Maybe The Flash is kind of second. But they have so many close talking conversation yeah and i have a wide circle of friends and i don't talk to any of them as closely no it's easier to film dude you don't have to show like as much of the set that way no and so which is why throughout this episode in many of the situations i was chanting kiss 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 (laughs) (laughs) by the way uh, patrick you mentioned the ridiculousness of her being in the same hotel which hey you know maybe he's hospital. There. he yeah, got hospital. hospital yeah not hotel <laughs> but what the heck is slade like mercenary for hire always moving around the globe doing crazy jobs why is he randomly in this hospital at the same time as oliver well he's visiting thea i think out of guilt because under the influence of Mirakuru, he did kill their mom Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, But the other thing is, is that Slade was widely known to have been the guy behind a terrorist attack three, four years ago. Right. 
So it's weird that he's just walking around and nobody's doing anything about it. Yeah, at least in uh, like the Punisher TV show, if you all watch that, they made a big deal not. about him not going back to places he had committed crimes. Yeah. yeah. Not the case in the Arrowverse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... From there, we go to uh, it, the lair. The lair, where Dig has his flashback, and he's rubbing his shoulders, though something is wrong. And then Dinah confronts him about not ever having fired his gun. And she, it, like, she wants to know what's wrong, but she's coming at it like a hard ass, which she is. It makes sense that way. But she's basically like, tell me what's wrong. I know something's wrong with you. Tell me. And By the way, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought he fired his gun like four or five times and missed the guy. I remember. He fired a different gun. He had he picked up somebody's gun. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't his. Well, yeah. okay. It still seems like a weird point to make. Like, you never fired your gun when we saw him shoot multiple times during the episode. Yeah, it just wasn't his gun. I, I will say, going along with Patrick's chanting of kiss, 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 I want to say that the chemistry between Dinah and Dig is more pronounced than the chemistry between Dig and his wife. Ugh. Oh, yeah. he has a wife. No. Yeah. I absolutely oh, agree. He, he has a wife who's the head of Argus, which is a secret government agency that does stuff. Yeah. I guess he's not home very much. Um, well, neither is she. Uh, but, yeah, there's this... Um, Zero chemistry. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's also... There's... Yeah, there's so there's this weird thing that's happening. And then Curtis comes up and he says, I found what was missing... She stole one of my T-spheres. And Dinah was like, was it weaponized? And he's like, no. Well, then great. She can't use it to get against us. Cut to the apartment. Yep. Where and Oliver Bob. is talking to his 10-year-old son, who is <laughs> laying on his bed on his side, <laughs> reading a book that doesn't exist. Uh, in, uh, in a pose, I'm going to let Patrick talk about this part of it. It made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just literally, he was, it's, it's the pose you would see if Oliver came home and Felicity was in bed reading. Yeah, it was, it was really strange. It, it was not, I just was like, somebody needed to stop this shot. <laughs> be like, hey kid, adjust. You know, put your knees up. Just it, uh, I, I, it's it was a real creepy <laughs> vibe I was getting. I laughed out loud because I'm a horrible person, but uh, yeah. So I was just like, that just was not fun. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, he's reading a book, and, and what we should get is that he's kind of just like closed off, and um, you know brooding and Ollie is like trying to you know connect trying to be like hey I know we're in a rough situation I know your mom's gone I want but I want you here with me because at one point he was debate when in all of these dad talks he is like well I could send him to live with his mother's parents yeah and everybody is telling him no well one of the things that you know, <laughs> Samantha's dying wish was for Ollie to take care of. Which which is well. great. I mean, it's like, okay, I, I don't want to... <laughs> Oliver is the mayor of a large city. He's also that city's premier vigilante. 
When does he have time to be the father of a 10-year-old kid? Hey, hey, he, he gets 10 quality minutes where his kid points <laughs> at him and does not talk every day, man. That's true. <laughs> Imagine the kid, William's just walking up and going, you're the bad man. No, 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 no. Like, see, we, we didn't have the full context, but, you know, it'll be like, uh, he'll be like, William, who who made you that peanut butter sandwich? William will just quietly <laughs> extend his Boy, finger. Extend the bad <laughs> man. Uh, so, basically, they connect slightly. Ollie's like, there's a game tomorrow night if you want to uh, stay up and watch it. And William's like, what kind of game, baseball or football? Ollie says baseball. And then he, satisfied, walks out into the living room. When Felicity calls him and says, turn on channel 52, and she's real stressed. Yes. And TV comes on, and it's news alert that apparently is on Every channel. And and, Laure- yes. and Laurel is the she anchor does. for some reason. Yeah. But it's a very Laurel looking anchor. Yeah. Um, Laurel Light, Laurel Linney, Laurel. Uh, <laughs> she is announcing that um, footage has been uncovered of the Green Arrow, and we finally know who it is. And they show the picture, and dun dun dun. It's Mayor Oliver Queen is the Green Arrow. Yeah. He's looks to be on top of a rooftop and the like the photo is taken from a helicopter or down angle and it's his face unmasked for the world to see and i, I want to say it actually looks really similar to the prometheus shot mm-hmm. it, it just like the sort of the 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 composition is very similar but i also want to say this that for five seasons at various times oliver has been threatened with the revelation of his identity. Somebody knows it and could tell, right? Right. So for them just to sort of baldly just pull it out and slap it right down on the table uh, with with no lead up in this first episode of season six is anticlimactic. They've decided that it's time for him to get outed and they're going... To, they now they've got a whole plot lined up. Well, you, you know what would have been interesting. What would have been interesting? What if they outed him at the end of season five? Then you'd have the entire interim between the season to think, "Oh my gosh, what's going to happen with his life?" It would be a great cliffhanger. You know, it's not a great cliffhanger. Anemic bombs killing a single person on an island. I'm Two. sorry. Yes. Patrick, oh, no, that's, right, that's right. I'm sorry. Two, two or Patrick three, depending on who you're One on camera, one completely off camera. Um, and don't forget the countless minions. Oh, the minions. Well, I want to say that Team Arrow actually did for a lot of the minions. Um, and then we also never the Al Ghul sisters. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, they're not Talia Al Ghul off screen. Yeah, no, Talia got out. And I think Nissa got out, too. I'm but, sure. Yeah. No, yeah. I, that was just a joke. I'm positive. <laughs> the, the Al Ghul sisters. But yeah, wouldn't you that know. have been a much better cliffhanger? That's also a much better show. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. Because it's now, yeah, we just, we've got in the, in the, in the next episode, they're going to deal with that. So it's, <sighs> um, arrow <laughs> remains deservedly my least favorite arrow show. And with that, 
I mean, be- only because we already talked about the flashback of oh, the, no, the, the, the person flashback. coming yeah, to Dark Siren. We no, we're in the right order because yeah. the last the last spoiler is the unmasking of Oliver of Oliver Queen. Yep, and that's the end of the then that's the end. And since we have reached the end of the episode of uh, Arrow, it is of course time for plugs. Uh, so I think at this point, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit out of order and I'm going to ask Mike, do you have anything you want to plug? That's not out of order. That's absolutely the right order. He's our guest. Okay. He's that's right. Guest. You should plug, plug first. Okay. Uh, yeah. Th- thanks for having me on. Uh, I run a YouTube channel called the one stop co-op shop. We do playthroughs and reviews of solo and cooperative board games. And we also have a podcast also called the one stop co-op shop. That's about it. Uh, I design board games as well, but there's nothing uh, new to talk about at the moment. So, yeah. Oh, can I can I ask you a question? Uh, um, sure. All right. Just I, did. I, all right, audience. We're <laughs> thank you, Patrick. <laughs> you can go back to teaching fifth grade English and being <laughs> being smug. Anyway, anyway. Uh, uh, so um, have you heard of Metatopia? I have not heard of Metatopia. I've heard of Tabletopia. Metatopia is a a game designers convention in New Jersey uh, that's held the first weekend of November. And I try to go as much as I can because it's a bunch of games in the alpha and beta stage. And if you go as a player, it's only a $20 entrance fee. And basically what you do is you play people's games that haven't been released uh, from Friday morning through Sunday afternoon. Well, Seth, I'll I'll blow your mind. We have the same thing. It's called the Unpub Game Convention, and that's in uh, Baltimore every year. And that's actually where we've uh, sold several of our games to publishers. Oh, nice. So if you want to drive a little bit less far, although New Jersey can be nice, uh, yeah, that's another option. When is the Unpub Convention held? Uh, It's usually every February. This one was going to be later this year, and then coronavirus happened, so who knows? (laughs) Uh, It's it's sort of the same thing with Metatopia. I mean, I'm not sure how things are going to stand in November, but my my bet is that they're probably going to have to cancel this year, which is unfortunate because I like that convention. But now I found something to do in February uh, because I like game i I like small game conventions i like small literary conventions and i like dragon con yeah yeah Yeah. um okay so now that we plugged two things that were not ours uh (laughs) i'm going i'm going to turn of course to my co-host patrick well you know me i um as always i'm gonna plug the clink tank uh which is my podcast that uh i host with uh, Rob White, uh, Matt Bachman, uh, Sean Byers, and Gary Bernard Donardo. And we talk about any and everything under the sun except politics. Oh, damn and- it, I missed it again. Keep <laughs> missing it. And, the- and Seth has been on a number of times. Mike has been on a number of times. We make signature cocktails and then we drink and those of us who drink uh, and we talk about any and everything like music, games, movies, TV, video games. Uh, We make up games and play them on the spot. Uh, We just have a good time. And it's a I like to say it's a conversation that you want to be a part of and you always can. Um, the clink tank. Uh, we also have a pot, um, a Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com, you just go to the clink tank 
podcast because that's what we are <laughs> and you can um, make a donation or become a patreon for the show it there are suggested levels of giving but really at, you can give whatever you want but and you'll still get a little something we like to you know have different rewards if you will for different levels and at the highest level you can be on the clink tank which is on the steve network <laughs> yes <laughs> The Steve Network. When you think of quality podcasts, you think of Steve. Steve. If you've heard one of our podcasts, you heard it on Steve. That's right. <laughs> You're listening to a Steve right now. So that's the other thing. That is it. Yeah. Uh, yes. What would you I, like to plug? Well, I would also like to plug How I Spent My Allowance. Uh, How I Spent My Allowance is a show that both Patrick and I are on, and uh, we are in a, a roundtable discussion group with Naomi Collard, Riley Bartlebaugh, and James Finley, and what we're doing is we're reading old D&D &D novels. Uh, currently, they're all from the 80s, because we're only in, we're, we've only started recording season two. It's only our second book, but if you're listening to the episodes as they drop right now, we are in the middle of Ed Greenwood's Spellfire. We're reviewing Ed Greenwood Spellfire. Uh, once that is done, and I, I believe that's going to be, uh, we're going to finish that up in July. In August, the new episodes are going to drop, and those are going to be reviewing Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman's Dragons of Autumn Twilight, uh, which is perhaps the seminal Dungeons and Dragons novel, um, or I should say the first novel in the seminal Dungeons and Dragons trilogy. Uh, but uh, we also have a Patreon that supports both that show and this show. And if you want to find us, you just go to patreon.com slash Productions. That's patreon.com slash L-L-A-W-G-Y-F-F-E-S. Thank you, Patrick. G-Y-F-F-E-S. Anyway, and if you want to know why the hell I chose that strange name, if you contribute... To us at the $5 level, you get access to the audio archive, the only item in which is me explaining the legend from which I took the name. Yes. And also, if you're on Patreon and you just type in LLAW, it's going to pop right up. It just You'll pops right up. Yeah. And uh, we have a number of levels uh, at which you can give at the highest level, much like the Clink Tank. You can actually be on the show. And in addition to that, you can order that Patrick and I review an episode of something that's not in the Arrowverse continuity. Yes. Uh, we also have a number of funding goals, the first one of which is the $50 a month level. If we just get up to $50 a month, Patrick and I will review for your pleasure... Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Batman the Brave and the Bold, and Young Justice, because what we really want to do is watch a good DC show. <laughs> if I may. You may. Please, give a little, so that we can watch something good, because we really aren't this much of curmudgeons. It's just, we would love to enjoy what we're seeing. We really, and we really would. We're watching all these bad shows for you for free. Oh, see what happens when things go right. <laughs> Please. You want that content. We want that content. <laughs> and we're so close. We're so close. We're only $21 away. Uh, and if you, could just, if you could just give a little. If you and 20 of your friends could give a dollar apiece, then yep. you wouldn't get access to the audio archive, except that, you know what? If I have 21 people contributing at the $1 level, fuck it. I'll give everybody access to the audio archive. Oh, you can hear the extra what? episodes. You heard it here first. 
That is insane. I'm just giving these podcasts away. <laughs> Savings are brought right to you. Yes. <laughs> so with that, I think we've reached the end of plugs. I think so. And, and possibly the longest episode? Uh, no, we're we are I believe I, I believe we are ten minutes short of that. Uh, but uh, although the longest episode was when we reviewed Lee and You, the finale of season five of Arrow. Oh. Anyway, um, so Mike, course, thanks so much for coming on. Yes, Mike, it was it was a pleasure to have you here. Uh, we, if you want to come back, you are absolutely welcome to. Well, it was definitely a pleasure to hang out with you all. The show. Less pleasurable, but that's yeah. kind of the point. I take it. <laughs> it, it. It is now. It wasn't originally when I started watching, but it's become that. And but it's about being with friends. Yes, that, that part was definitely lovely. Yeah, <laughs> it did a great job. Yes. So we hope you enjoyed the show. We do. We hope you're having a good day. We do. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.